Warning, this episode may cause you to purchase a cheeseburger. You have been warned. What's up, everybody? This is your host, Dega Bidays, coming at you with some incredible information regarding Patreon. Most of you guys already know that we are on Patreon at the moment. We're getting content out there for you guys to be able to dive in deeper and to be able to do some things maybe that this kind of format that wouldn't allow on, on Spotify or iTunes, or we can kind of do some different engaging with you guys. We want to give you some, some stuff that's really uh, valuable to your to your journey as a toy photographer so want to give a shout out to our first patreon uh, member stephanie buyer thank you so much for for being a, a member of the patreon community so you guys if you want to be a part of the patreon all you got to do is go to our link in our bio on instagram or in the show notes of this podcast and everything will be there for you guys just click on that there's three different tiers um, everybody that joins the patreon is going to get episodes before they come out regularly on Spotify or iTunes. So that way you can get the information without ads and you can be able to get a little bit deeper as we go along. We're gonna be adding some great content for you guys. So check it out, come on to Patreon um, and we'll see you there. Peace. What's up, everybody? This is the Toy Photographers Podcast. We have an amazing episode for you. We have the one, the only, Mr. Nose Rain on the other line. What is up, Richie? How you doing, man? What's up, man? I really appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and, uh, you know, inviting me on here. Dude, I'm so glad to have you on. Like, it's almost like, you know, a, a pinch me kind of moment because I've been such a big fan <laughs> of your work. So just having you on the podcast is going to be it's going to be exciting. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this because they want to know you more and get to know, you know, the person behind the lens. So it's going to be fun. For sure. For sure. I'm looking forward to it for sure. So let's get into it, man. Do it, man. So just break it on down. How long have you been doing toy photography? Man, I feel like this goes back to, <clears throat> I want to say like, I, I started like collecting toys way before I was doing any sort of like toy photography stuff. Right. And I want to say like, I, I think it was just somewhere on like the internet. Maybe it was like Tumblr or just something like I, I noticed that there was you know, like toy photography out there because of that. And I, I think it was a specific image that I saw. It might have been, do you know that um, Amazon box figure thing? Um, no, all? I don't. I don't know that. So there's like a, it's, I don't know how to really describe it other than it, it kind of looks like an anime character, but it's also a box. But um, oh, yeah, I just, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember seeing that somewhere and just being like oh man that's really cool and then just i think looking more into it i started seeing like lego photography and um like stormtrooper um lego photography and things like that and um i i, I realized it was a thing and i think later on it was it was more um looking at like the hashtag toy photography yeah um on instagram and I think when I was looking through that hashtag, it was it was more like the ACBA type of stuff that I was seeing, 
Okay. And um, I think even going onto like Facebook and places like that, you, I I would like find like the group and stuff. And so I th- I felt like toy photography, like that's sort of like how I knew about it. But I never really jumped into it and thought like, oh, I'm gonna do this thing too. Because I again, I was more of like a collector. Um, at the time, and I would be pretty selective at, about like what I wanted to buy. Fast forward a little bit. It was it wasn't until you know uh, Captain Dangerous. I mean, I think everybody knows who oh, that yeah. is. You know, and mm-hmm. um, just seeing her stuff. And I remember at the time it was when I purchased a DSLR for myself, and I got the 50 millimeter, the Nifty 50 or whatever. Um, it was a Canon lens. And that was more so for uh, videography because I was I was doing like YouTube videos and stuff at the time and I was super into sneakers. So I was trying to do like sneaker reviews. Yeah. So I I had that DSLR and I had that lens and um, I saw Kylie's uh, photos and it was super, super charming stuff. Like I I think just seeing like the Nendoroid figures um, outdoors and just the color and all that stuff. And um, I'm pretty sure she used the same lens or had, yeah, the 50 millimeter so that, you know, she, in her photos, she has, you know, the the shallow depth of field where, you know, right. you get a very blurred background and stuff. And I remember specifically seeing this one photo of the Nendroid Link and it was holding like this leaf over its head. And I was just like, wow, that that looks really, really awesome. And I think the reason why I sort of jumped into it at that point was because um, at the time I was collecting like, you know, different figures, mostly like anime stuff and um, figures produced by like Good Smile. Um, so I had a few Figma and specifically I had the Nendroid like Trainer Red from Pokemon. And because she was taking pictures of Nendroids and I had the Trainer Red Nendroid, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go and try this. So I went outside and I started like taking photos of my Pokemon toys and things like that. And it was that's that was pretty much how I jumped into it myself. Uh, so what's the on, timeline for that? Like what year was that? I want to say it was 2015 or so. It it was. Okay. I think that was my jumping point into Instagram and using that as a platform to share like my toy photography. But um, I think prior to that, like I would sort of experiment a little bit. I think in like a photography class that I had in college, and I was like uh, shooting like some t- like. A Spider-Man action figure or whatever and I think the assignment I, f- I don't remember the assi- assignment exactly but I just remember using like that action figure and sort of going around my room and having it like mess around with the stuff I have I have some of those uh photos actually in my highlights on my profile oh nice um, and I think those were definitely some of the earlier ones that I would uh that I shot but I never like uploaded those to Instagram or anything like that Nice. So you you started about four years ago, give or take. And within that amount of time, man, it is amazing. If you I'm scrolling right now to the back of your page all the way down to the very beginning. It's amazing to see how quickly you grasp toy photography and almost uh, almost uh, superhumanly. Did you (laughs) did you have any sort of background in like art design or like what's your profession? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So um, I'm a visual designer. Um, I work at a like a design and marketing agency. Um, But yeah, I think 
I've always sort of had that interest in visual arts, whether it was illustration, animation, or whatever, you know, growing up in the 90s, like all the 90s cartoons and things like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I gravitated toward that stuff. And I, you know, I loved drawing growing up and reading comics and, you know, all that stuff. So um, I think eventually I, you know, I had an interest in photography, I think, but it wasn't anything that I, was super serious about it was just you know I had like my point and shoot camera or whatever and I would you know I would turn the setting to I think there was like a macro mode or whatever that little flower icon and I noticed like you know it would it would blur out the background a little bit and really create that focus and I started like loving to do those kind of photos but I mean yeah again it wasn't anything I jumped into too seriously because I think once I got into college it was more like I wanted to do stuff that was based on like product design or like industrial design type of stuff where it was like, you know, there's these designers who are creating iPhones and like basically everything that you see in like the physical world, right? Right. Um, so I had my interest there. I think just design in general has always been like something that I loved, like just seeing stuff like aesthetically or whatever, just I don't know what it was, but it definitely like caught my eye and I didn't. I guess know that I wanted to jump into that and start a career until it was, you know, around like college and cause I got, I got in college. I, I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do, but then eventually jumped into the graphic design program that was there. And since then it's, you know, design, graphic design, that kind of stuff has been sort of like my wheelhouse. Nice. So does toy photography kind of like you use it as more of a hobby as an outlet to kind of express yourself? Or is this something that you that you do organically? How would you kind of describe your toy photography? Because I know you've been doing it in a while. Like a lot of people see this as a pastime as a hobby. And I know that you've gotten opportunities. We can talk about that later on with mm -hmm. companies. Um, but it, what how do you view it? Like, what is it? What is it to you? I'm curious. So um, it's interesting, because it's like, even though I started doing this stuff like 2014, 2015. Um, I did take a year long break almost. I think it was, you know, it had a lot to do with moving and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't really jump back into it until I decided like, hey, I'm gonna commit to something and see like, what if I, if I commit to this and like do it consistently, like where can it take me? And that was literally like my mindset when I restarted like my account. Wow. And that was like 2017, I think, like in January. And so I, I, I remember the specific post that I, I decided that. And it was like, if you go back, you'll see a picture of Kobe, Kobe Bryant. It's like an Enter Bay 1-6 figure that I had. And yeah, I just remember since that day. And I try to like be consistent by posting every single day. And, you know, that can obviously get exhausting. And Oh, yeah. So you know, that, that eventually stopped. But yeah, since then, it's just, I think I've just loved doing it. I think the more you do it, it's like, to me, I guess, uh, it gives purpose to like my collection, but also it's like, I don't know, it's sort of a way to illustrate almost because I don't have the skills to draw or create whatever I want, you know, I mean, maybe through like graphic design kind of stuff. I think this is a way that's super, super, just interesting and like when people see it or know what it is it's like I don't know it just makes them happy or whatever it is and it definitely makes like me happy even you know trying to come up with an idea to shoot or just whatever it is I think it's just super fun and I think that's why I, I just continue to do it. 
And I think a lot of people kind of, you know, put you in this, I wouldn't say a pedestal, but they put you when they, when people mention you automatically, the people that you run with, you know, the Swip picks work more or less black series. Um, yeah. Shout out Sergeant, to those guys. Yeah. Shout out to those guys. You know, I, I love to, I, I love to be able to interview you guys because not only are you guys just entirely different breed of people because you're so creative, but also you guys are relentless in the pursuit of what you enjoy. And that's something that you mentioned just a second ago. It's so incredible. Like if I can just devote myself to this and just see where I go and you know, it's amazing what you have already done, my friend, like it's incredible. And, uh, Thank you know, you. I appreciate it, man. It really is. It really is. And I got to give props where props is due. And you put in that, you put in the work and you put in the time and it shows, man. And your work is so beautiful. And I often come back for inspiration on your page. Seriously. Thank you, man. Of course, dude. Of course. And me and Mr. Scott Blind were big fans of yours. We're always talking about your posts whenever we're chatting. And, uh, we're always wondering, how does he do this stuff you know, that he does? You know what I mean? Like, it's just amazing some of the techniques. And do you think like you're, I know when you started out, of course, you're using different techniques and you've kind of transitioned mm-hmm. lately. I know you were doing a lot of indoor shots. So is that something that you focus on as your technique? What do you kind of, how do you approach toy photography? Are you trying to do something new every time? Because your creative process, man, it always blows me away. Um. Yeah, it's 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 definitely changed since, you know, the very beginning where it was a lot more of the outdoor stuff. And I think that was just like beginning in the toy photography stuff. It was I wouldn't say it's easy because it's like it, it still has its own challenges. Shooting outdoors definitely has its own things that you have to work around. Obviously, like, you know, if you're trying to use the sun as your source of light, which makes sense because you're outdoors, it's you're you're either chasing it, whether it's, you know, you're like coming back home after work or something and you're like oh i need i need the low light or um whatever it is you know it it definitely has its own challenges but i felt like i was way more comfortable doing that kind of uh photography than trying to sort of mimic that lighting indoors and um so that was that was essentially the reason why i would continue to stick to that earlier on but I think the the reason why I sort of switched over or experimented a little bit more with the indoor um, lighting setups and things like that was specifically because, you know, I didn't want to rely on the sun and at what point or where it was um, at one point during the day. Um, you know, when, when winter comes around, like obviously the sun's going to go down like faster and yep. um, I didn't, it was just very inconvenient to like shoot. So um, I felt like this was a challenge I sort of needed to face and like I need to learn how to do this indoor photography and create my my own lighting um, and things like that. And so it's definitely created a lot more flexibility for my schedule. And yeah, if anybody is sort of like struggling to do anything like that, that's something I'd recommend is to sort of like try it out and, you know, just continue to do it, even though it's like, you know, it might be hard in the beginning but I think eventually, like, you'll, it'll de- definitely be worth it um, yeah. to, to tackle that. For sure. And progressing as a toy photographer, you know, you have to take those steps and those moments and, and you know, really reflect like you did and say, how am I going to get better at this? How am I going to grow? And everybody that's good at what they do, whether it's sports or whether it's 
broadcast journalism or whether it's mm -hmm. podcasting, you know, anything, you have to reinvent yourself as you go along. Because if you don't, you're going to get stale and you're not going to enjoy it. And you've done that, man. You've done that so many times where I go back and I'm, I'm currently looking at older shots that you've done. And even though like they are amazing shots, like I feel like you were still finding your signature style. Like you were kind of like discovering your who you are as, as a photographer and now that i look at your shots it, it's just synonymous with the kind of the quality that you always bring and i love the fact that you always do behind the scenes man that in, encouraged me to start doing behind the scenes uh, oh yeah when that, yeah like so nice. whenever whenever you would post and you do a behind the scenes it helped me grow and help like oh that's how he does it and when did you kind of start doing the behind the scenes uh stuff um, when did I start doing that? I don't remember the specific photo that I started doing that, but, um, I, I think, so the reason why I like to show the behind the scenes is that, um, just as a user or just, you know, as a viewer, when it comes to like, this is an example, like, you know, like a studios, they, they did stop motion films like Kubo and Paranorman and Coraline and those kind of movies. Right. And I think obviously like the, the motion picture that they create is like a masterpiece um, just in itself. But then it's like the real like wonder and awe is like, you know, if you saw the behind the scenes of that stuff. And I feel like a lot more people are more interested in seeing how something is done. And so it was it was that right. It was like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to upload some behind the scenes. I mean, it's not like I invented the behind the scenes thing. Obviously, sure, it's like sure. I'm sure there's. There's definitely been people who, who've done that and shown that. But to me, I wanted to make it a point where it was like I, I am showing my behind the scenes one so that, yeah, if people do want to see uh, what I'm doing or how I created the shot, like they have that. But it, it's also um, an opportunity, I guess, for like if anybody was to ever stop on one of my photos, it would you know, they'd be able to see the the actual photo that the final image and then if they swiped over, they would be able to see that. And, you know, whether that translated into a follow or, you know, whatever it was, I just felt like just having those two together just made sense almost, you know? It's amazing, man, because you're so generous with those behind the scenes and that gives everybody who's following you an opportunity to, you know, copy and to be able to learn. And I want, when I say copy, I don't mean to take away from what you're doing, but to learn the techniques because you're like one of the, shots that you did with that Pokemon uh, figure and you had a like a Pokemon card and mm -hmm. I was watching you know so intently how you were able to create that like I was blown away like you, you know <laughs> you're always thinking outside the box and that's something I always get excited about whenever because I've got you set on notifications whenever you post I know instantly so I'm the first to see and so I'm like okay how did you do it how did how is it going to go down I love seeing that, man. It's amazing. I'm so grateful that you do those behind the scenes. So thank you. Yeah, man. Um, again, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's something that I've learned just being, I think this is the word that they call it. I think it's something like karmic equity where it's like you just give, give out for free and essentially like people will give back, you know, yes. whether through like their support or whatever it is. It's just like, you know, I think that's what's sort of going to be the thing that's contagious to your account it's like if you're able to give out free content you know people are going to like swarm and want to be around it you know 
I know, man. It's so valuable. Like every single one that you share, I learned something new. So it's, it, it definitely has that karma feel where you're constantly giving out and you get that return investment, whether, mm-hmm. whether or not you see it immediately or not. So that's incredible, man. I, I applaud you for that, Mr. And- Mr. Nose Rain. So I'm <laughs> curious about the name, Nose Rain. I know the name, how, what it means, but I want to ask you, so everybody listening, maybe they don't yep. know. How did you get the name? Where does it come from? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, so um, I'm, you know, growing up, I think basketball was such a big part of just like my childhood, whether it was, you know, playing basketball with like my church friends or like my neighborhood friends or whatever it was. It was something that I loved and just, you know, loving basketball. You obviously start loving the NBA and things like that. And Kobe Bryant was the player, I guess, as I got older, was the player that I really looked up to. And it wasn't just his the way that he played the game. It wasn't his skill, even though obviously, like, you know, you first become a fan through that. But I think I truly became more of a fan when I started to listen to him um, in interviews and things like that. And you sort of get to, you know, see, like, the behind the scenes of, like, how he gets to sort of like his mental state, like as he plays and you start to learn about like, you know, the mama mentality as he puts it is, you know, just working, working super hard and um, just being very persistent and, you know, never really like backing down from a challenge. And I think it was once I started to see that side of his thinking and all that stuff, it was like, wow, this guy's really in a different league. And, you know, that sort of elevated him up in, I guess, like what I, like, so he became like my favorite basketball player, I think, nice. from, since then. Because like, I grew up loving like Allen Iverson um, as a kid and obviously like Michael Jordan and stuff. But I think I can easily say that Kobe Bryant is like my favorite pl- basketball player of all time because of those things. Um, and so uh, going back to that. So uh, the name Nose Rain, um, I'm Korean American, by the way, so... The reason why it's nose rain is because in Korean, like ko means uh, nose in English, and then pi means rain. And so it's, if you put it together, it's Kobe, but it's nose rain. So that's essentially how I decided to create a name. And I think it was even just the beginning of like, you know, the whole account. Again, it was that image of Kobe Bryant. And just to wow. sort of like remind me that, okay, this is, you know, just be consistent and like put in the work and see where this will take you essentially. Has he ever reached out to you? Did, did you ever like talk to, I know he's, I know it's probably <laughs> no. like a pipe dream, but like you, yeah, you haven't talked awesome. to him yet? No, no, I haven't. But interestingly, uh, like, dude, I, I went to, uh, it was the season that he, uh, announced, you know, he was retiring. Um, I'm from Virginia. And so like, the closest basketball game I think at the time that I could have attended um, was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so, yeah, I went to his last game there. It was really cool. Um, Michael Jordan had a little like thing to say in the very beginning and just like watching him play live. That was the first time I'd ever seen him play. And that was, that was super like surreal. Like it, it just felt weird, you know? So um, just being like that close, like that, even that sounds kind of weird, but like being that close to him, like it was just, yeah, very, very, um, surreal, but, uh, interesting, the interesting thing that happened was, um, so I was, I was recording the game and stuff on my phone and like my battery just like 
so low. It was like, okay, I, I'm probably not going to be able to record like everything from this game. Right. Um, but towards the end of the game, right, I started making my way towards like the gate because like the seats that I had was kind of right behind uh, the goalposts. And so I started making my way towards where the players enter the locker room. And I was just like hanging out there, you know, and I, it's funny because like I said, I was very into sneakers and I had these uh, Kobe's that I had around, had them around my neck, like hoping like, okay, if I run into Kobe, I'm going to get a signature or whatever. Nice. Um, and so, you know, that was sort of like a pipe dream. Right. And I was like, okay, I was holding out like my sneakers or whatever, you know, as the players were going through, I started seeing Kobe, like I was, Kobe was like about to make his way through, through the hallway and then I, I had my sneakers out and I was like, OK, this is ridiculous. He's not going to stop and like sign these sneakers. Right. And so I like pulled the sneakers back. I put my hand out. And then he, as he walks by, he pretty much gives me a high five. And like that oh, blew my mind. <laughs> I, I just still remember being there and I was just like, oh, my God, did that just really happen? And Whoa. yeah, it's funny because like I have footage of it. Right. Because there's a kid next to me who was recording it on like his Snapchat or something like that. And I saw that he had his phone. And again, my phone died because there was no battery. And I, I pretty much was like, hey, kid, can you like send me that footage and just text it to me or whatever so that I could have it? But um, I do have that footage. Um, I could probably like post it later on. But it, it's just funny because in that footage, it's like the kid puts his hand out, but then Kobe completely just misses his hand oh. and then like you can see my ha hand in like the very very corner you can like barely see it but um it's yeah it's it's pretty funny it's so funny because it probably had you not put the sneakers up you might have not gotten a high five exactly or i should have just like dropped them on his head or something and then he <laughs> might have just given them back to me <laughs> oh man that is that is so cool when you meet your heroes and talk to your heroes that's just uh yeah, I mean, better. if if I was able to have a conversation with him, like, man, I don't, I would be so nervous. Like, I don't even know what I would do. But yeah, if if there was any one person I could have like dinner or lunch or like just meet them and like talk to them, it'd probably be Kobe. So, whoa, Kobe, yeah. if you're out there listening to this podcast, you already know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Kobe, Kobe, send us a DM. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. You know, maybe he's a secret toy photographer. You never know. I always wonder, you know, when you see those big accounts that like mm. maybe they don't share who they are. Like there's some very secretive people out there in toy photography. Uh, and it's not a lot of them, but I'm always like, maybe they're a famous person. You ever think that? <laughs> um, Not really. No, I've never no. had that thought. But who knows? Like it's who knows? Sure it's possible, right? It's like. Like, for instance, let's let's say like John Boyega. I've seen it in his story like he went to Japan one time and he had a luggage thing full of like toys or whatever. So it's like what if he was sort of an account like that and he was like taking these ridiculous like toy photos and we just never knew it was John. Dude, what if? Dude, John, please, please come on the <laughs> podcast. If you are doing toy photo photography, please send me a message, man. That's incredible. <laughs> that would be awesome. I know uh, – and the name escapes me right now. And I know he's probably listening to this because he loves toy photography. But the guy on Scrubs, he started following. Oh, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Donald. Donald Faison. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And dude, like the fact that, okay, that kind of opened my mind up to like, maybe this is more mainstream than I thought. I don't mean that in a negative way. But I'm saying like, because the fact that he, you know, his story is really cool about how he got into toy photography and everything. So maybe... 
Who knows? Who knows? That guy is so talented. Like I know. Yeah, I, just seeing his stop motion stuff, I'm just like, man, I wanna I wanna do that so bad, you know. <laughs> Dude, he That's actually funny. went to um the adult swim, what's it called? Robot chicken like like master class or something. Yeah, right? he he I think he interned there and I'm sure like yeah. his stuff was definitely in some of those episodes. That's so crazy. It is so crazy. And so crazy because he like he just you know, had that incredible career, you know, as an actor on Scrubs, and then he goes and does that. It's like, wow, I got to give props to Mr. Donald Faison. For sure. For sure. So this is a fun question I love to ask people when they come on the podcast. Um, are you more interested in the process of doing photography, like toy photography, or are you more interested in the posting and the engagement? Like, what is your kind of uh, views on that? Um, I think for me, I mean, obviously I definitely love like the process and stuff like that. Um, it's, you know, I think trying to come up with an idea or trying to do something new and trying to like, not just post to post, I think just all that, whether it's starting from like the idea all the way to how am I going to do that all the way to, you know, the editing portion of it, which I think is like my favorite part. Just seeing that image come to life using like Lightroom and Photoshop and stuff, um, I love I love that whole process. I think that's what continues to drive me, I guess, to create this sort of stuff, right? Um, but then there's also, you know, once you do post it, it's like you you know, like there's there's people who appreciate it. It's like this community, right? And so just being able to like, you know. I think I want to say like both. I don't I don't know if I could choose just like one side of it, right? Um, right. But I think, yeah, obviously like the community aspect of it is just feels very different than anything that I've experienced as far as like finding a community online with like a bunch of strangers and then literally like being able to meet them in real life. And I think that is like pretty unbelievable, you know? I agree. It's like a um, family almost like when you start getting really into toy photography and the people that, of course, there's people out there that you don't really want to interact with because they just, they have no intention to interact. But mm -hmm. there are the ones like yourself and like the people that come on the podcast who have this, this great energy and they have this incredible ability to communicate and to be able to express the love of toy photography. And that to me, like just being able to do that, it makes you family. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it feels like, it almost feels like an extended family. And, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. No, there's, there's like, there's people I talk on here more than I talk to probably in real life. And like, that is sort of like a testament to just like, I mean, we all have like this common thing that we have, but at the same time, it's like, it's that thing that really allows us to develop this relationship. And we were able to not only talk about toys, but talk about life and just all that stuff. And so it's, you know, I don't know how people really like view it, you know, like whether it's, I mean, we're, we're in a digital age now where it's just like, you can meet someone from all the way across the world and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Just meeting the guys and talking to the guys that I, you know, talk to every day, I think, it just, I don't know, it goes to show how, how much I appreciate this, this community, you know? Likewise, man. It is something that I could not imagine myself not being a part of now that it's been a part of my life for, you know, however many years. It's what you put in 
is what you get out. If you put in like, you know, like yourself, you're putting in content that you want people to engage with. And not only that, you want to inspire, you want to challenge, especially you challenge me to blow my mind um, (laughs) with some of the things that you're doing. And that in turn, you know what I mean? You're able to get so much out of it because it's that karma thing that you mentioned earlier. It's like, Mm -hmm. if you want to be a part of this community, it's not, exclusive you know what i mean it's not just something that you can't be a part of anybody can do it and for sure just having the common decency of course of showing people respect being able to you know send a dm respectfully anyone's going to share their method if you in this community especially the people on this podcast send them a dm you know and they'll they'll get back to you man and they'll tell you how to do it i think I, like anybody oh sorry to interrupt you no 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 go ahead um just like you know this community i think it's it's a lot more welcoming. I don't, I mean, I, it's not like there's other communities that I've, you know, been very deeply a part of or whatever, but I, I think agree. from my experience, it's like, if there is somebody that you want to talk to or reach out to, I feel like for the most part, you know, these people are going to open up and tell you about, you know, how they got started or just give tips or whatever it is. So I feel like, yeah, a majority is like very positive and all that good stuff. You know, there's there's going to be some people who are like negative Nancy's or like whatever, right. where they're going to be like, oh, the community is not what it was anymore and all that kind of stuff. And to me, it's just more like the community is sort of like who you surround yourself with and like who you're going to talk to on a daily basis and the people that you're actually going to um, interact with. Right. And like that's that's sort of like the community that I sort of want to be around, the people that are positive and stuff like that. And so. That's what the community is to me. It's like I'm not if you're going to be like all these, you know, these people who are have who are spreading sort of like toxicity or anything like that, like you're just you're not doing anything for everyone. Right. So I just kind of view it as like, okay, this is these are the people I'm going to surround myself with. And, you know, that's who I'm going to call my community. Dude, that is a mastermind philosophy. And I just got to say mic drop after that because (laughs) that's exactly right. You know, that saying, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you the next five years of your life. And if you're surrounding yourself with people who are great at what they do and love what they do in this community and are pushing themselves, dude, you're going to get better too. And it's just Mm -hmm. a collaborative process, man. That's that's an amazing, amazing comment. I'm going to have to listen to that one again, Mr. Nose Rain. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, so I'm curious, uh, how long does it take for you to get a shot that you've got in your mind? Okay. Mm-hmm. You've got it, you know, specifically laid out and you have an idea and inspiration. How long does it take to get from your mind, uh, to shooting and then to posting? Man. Um, it, I mean, obviously it depends on how, how crazy that setup might be and you know there's there's some shots that are a lot simpler I feel like and I'm trying to think like if I if I was to think of a concept you know I'll I'll essentially already have a visual in my head of what it would look like it's just a matter of okay how am I gonna sort of execute that and obviously that that's gonna have its own challenges (sighs) I don't know if is there like let's see if there's a photo that I can you know pick out and sure. sort of figure we out. We could just we could just say way. your hyper real series you've been doing. Let's let's choose that. Okay. Um. So 
this the hyperreal stuff it was you know it was it was sort of like a collab right between like black series with pics um and work more or less i want to say like we we all sort of plan to do multiple images and i i know for sure like i wanted to think of something that might be a little like that is more conceptual and so that was like the first image that i posted um with like the stormtroopers sort of working on this this bigger vader or whatever right um and it, i think honestly it's like if if i'm i think thinking about the concept is probably going to take the longest because even like i guess once i get that figure it's like i'm already trying to think of something or maybe it's something that I've already thought of and like I need to get a specific figure but for that one it took a few days to sort of come up with like what I wanted to do and it's like okay so once once I have the idea it's like okay now how am I gonna you know execute it and I think just doing like the setup and stuff usually doesn't take like too long like I want to say maybe like getting you know the poses and like doing all that stuff might have taken like you know 30 to 45 minutes or whatever it is just to get it right or whatever making sure the cape is you know looking a certain way and all that and sort of setting it up around you know this diorama which i got from uh the chris lyons awesome awesome diorama guy he's oh yeah like sick yeah um but i got that and i realized okay i'm gonna use this for like all the all the shots that i do but yeah i think once i got it there it was it's mostly just like setting up the the lights and making sure like i like how the light is hitting the figures making sure like okay this this side is like you know there's too much shadow on this side so let's bring in like a reflector and just all that kind of stuff and so like once it's there you know the shot obviously doesn't take that long you you take the shot you take a couple shots uh use some atmosphere aerosol I typically shoot a lot of different takes just to make sure, like, you know, I have some options. Nice. Um, And then from there, it's like I think editing is sort of what takes up a lot of the time as well. I want to say that the editing for that specific one where they're building the Vader, usually like an hour, maybe more, depending. I mean, there wasn't like too much like editing stuff that really I really needed to do. Like there wasn't like a lightsaber or anything or things that I had to take out. So uh, that one. What software probably... were you using on that one? I'm curious. Um, so I always go through Lightroom first and I'll do all like my color grading and all that kind of stuff there. Um, and then I'll typically take it into Photoshop and sort of, you know, take out the things, uh, take out like wires if I have wires in the shot or like, you know, clean up like the dust or like if there's certain marks on the figure's head or like whatever like i'll try to like clean it up um in photoshop so it's mainly just those two softwares that i use yeah i know you're a Mm -hmm. big peter mckinnon fan and i i saw in one of your stories one time that you were basically sending out a request kind of like he did yeah where you're able to edit (laughs) people's photos and i thought that was so cool man and that kind of it kind of mm-hmm. showed your process and and able to break down how you edit photos. And it, you said that one, the the hyperreal one, where he kind of looks like he's being built. It only took you an hour, so that that was a pretty simple edit. You said, yeah, it's it was a it was a simple edit again because there wasn't anything that I had to really take out. It was mostly just like cleaning up, and then you know in Lightroom, it's you know trying to get the colors how I want to do how how I want it. Um, and a lot of that is just kind of experimenting as well. It's like, what what tone do I want to get in this and all that stuff? 
But yeah, shout out to Peter McKinnon. Like his content is fire. Yeah, Peter. You know? Like yeah, I I mean to be honest though, I haven't like kept up with like his recent stuff too much, but I know for sure like that guy makes some incredible content at like supreme quality. You know, dude, I He's just so turn good on in front of the camera. He is. I turn on Peter McKinnon whenever I need a boost. If I just need a little bit of oomph, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I kind of like took his mentality, you know, at the beginning that what's up, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't want to totally bite his style, but I love Peter McKinnon. So yeah. shout out to Peter. It's so funny that you mentioned that thing that I did um, inspired off of his like editing people's photos thing because <laughs> I did that one and I was just like, Man, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. and it's definitely I haven't done one since that first one, but you know, I I do want to jump back into that and like actually do it through like a video maybe or something just because I felt like you know trying to save out the photos and like all that kind of stuff and typing out exactly like what I was doing, like it was just taking up a lot of time, so right. I might have to switch up the format. And you could do it on the Instagram, uh, the video format now where you can watch the movies and stuff. Um, I don't really get on there as much as everybody else does. But the IGTV stuff? Yeah, the IGTV. Um, is that going? Do you follow that stuff? Because I definitely don't. I, I mean, I, I've seen people like share that on their profiles, but I no, that's not something that I've really like dived into. I know jason um work more or less he uses that for his oh, behind yeah. the scenes and stuff yeah but yeah. i haven't really dived too fo- too much into that that'd be a cool outlet to be able to do that uh those editing those photos that'd be really cool yeah that's a good idea or youtube of course and then you can make money there you go <laughs> true so uh we're gonna take a quick break and we will get back to the toy photographers podcast right in a second The Toy Photocast is now a part of the Exclude Collective Network. Go to excludecollective.com to get all of your action figure news, tutorials, and everything you need to be able to be a part of this incredible community. That's excludecollective.com. Peace. Let me get back into it. Let me get the mentality here. Okay, three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody, to the Toy Photographers Podcast. This is the Nose Rain episode, the episode you have been waiting for. What's up, Richie? Welcome back. What's going on, guys? It's good to have you back, man. The first part was amazing. I know I personally learned a lot, and I am so glad to be able to get to know you better because the content that you produce, man, like I've said before, it's amazing. And, you know, you're even a more incredible person to be able to talk to and get to pick your brain. So I'm going to jump right back into it, man. Do you I know I've asked this to multiple people, but I love to ask this question and it's a loaded question. But do you see yourself as an influencer and how does it affect you as an artist having that big a following? It's interesting, man. Like, uh, well, I'm trying to answer that question. Am I an influencer? Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess in some ways, right? It's like there's there's going to be people who ask, like, I guess how I do certain things or like where I got certain things. And I've had people tell me like, oh, I bought this figure because of the way that you shot it and like things like that. 
but I don't know. As far as like influence, you know, a huge influence, I don't really know. I don't really see the effects of of that really. Really? But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. Like, what would be like an example that you would give if if you were? I, I guess know. like you know, people when they mention you know toy photographers, they mention the big heavy hitters like the Sergeant Bananas, you know, the the uh, Avenat. Mm-hmm. And I always mention you. I know I throw you in that ring. So to me, I look at it as someone that is very – you are very influential in the toy photography community, you know, even being so fresh and new, a new face. But you, you know, your content, man, you – dude, I'm telling you, man, like the stuff that you post, it's it really does kind of change the way people view toy photography because you're so unique and so creative. And I always learn from your page. So I see it as a positive thing, man. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, when it, when it comes to like the different types of posts that I like to do, it's, it's like what you were saying. It was, it's, you know, trying to do things that are a little different and try to think a little differently about some of the stuff so that it, um, you know, whether it sticks out or just, it's, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to create like my own style per se. Like I'm not going into each photo or whenever I'm thinking about a specific, like, shot that I want to do I'm not saying like how can I make this feel like a nose range shot I guess right and I think I think the more that people like see my stuff they might be like oh this is a nose range shot or whatever but for me it's more like I'm just trying to like get this idea out and a lot of times it's whatever's current or whatever style of shooting that I'm doing right now is I guess that's the form it's going to take but I don't really see myself striving for like oh I'm I got to make sure like this is like my style like kind of thing, you know, because I feel like it's just constantly evolving. I feel like I learned so much from like, you know, the different people in the toy community, people outside of even toys and stuff like design or illustrators, um, just, you know, anything that I can get inspiration from. I feel like that's going to sort of filter through and I guess that's how like my image is going to show itself. Right. Nice. Yeah, and you know, it's funny that you're able to take outside influences and kind of marry them into toy photography because I've noticed that you do that a lot. And kind of conceptually, when I see your shots, you have an idea. And like you said, you know, you really don't go for maybe the aesthetic or maybe like the nose rain feel, but you do have a very distinct style. And I think that does translate regardless of the content that you're doing. And I, I think that's a positive. I think because it's any artist, you know, as they progress and as they get better, it's just, it's your way of storytelling. It's your way of mm-hmm. presenting a a message. Even like the most recent one that you posted with the Power Rangers and they're plugged into the lightning. It took me a second <laughs> to realize. I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then I realized, oh, lightning collection. Oh, they're, co- they're plugged into the Apple thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so creative. <laughs> and like, it's that, it's that thought process when I see your shots that makes me go, I don't know. It makes me just like really enjoy it. So I think maybe you undersell yourself a little bit and you're a very creative individual. And I think you deserve a pat on the back, my friend. So I think it's, it's incredible the stuff that you do. So thank you, man. My, my stuff has definitely changed just even the look of it since like I started, obviously. Um, I don't know. I think it's like when I started doing more of like the conceptual stuff, it was, it was trying to go back to like, why did I even like toy photography in the first place? Like it was, I think, 
when I had to think about that and, you know, go back to like starting to do things that were more fun or like a lot of like my influence also comes from like there's this designer, illustrator, artist guy named Ali Moss. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he does a lot of like really cool posters with Mondo and I'm sure he he does does posters with like other people and design work with other people. But um, just like his stuff, when you see his work, there's always this little nugget or something and you you try to figure out like what the concept is in his images because he's able to marry it so well with like design. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like that thinking and having like that sort of clairvoyance because I wanted to I want to I want someone to like look at my stuff and be like, oh, like, oh, I get it like that kind of thing and like have that moment where they make that realization. And it's because of influences like like Ali Moss or even like one of my favorite, if not my favorite accounts on Instagram is uh, this guy named Tanaka Tatsuya. And I think his Instagram is Tanaka underscore Tatsuya. But he does like amazing miniature photography with like everyday objects and just the the way that he sees things like these everyday objects and like how he can put them together with these miniature like figures, whether they're you know, action figures or like, you know, those little like architecture model figures. But he does it so well to the, you know, when you just see it, you're just like, wow, that is like super clever. And it's amazing like that he can do that um, and just do it so constantly. Like that's literally all he puts out. There's not really a post that he has that's really dull and trying to think about, you know, my shots more and like having more of that conceptual aspect to it. That's sort of like where that started to come from and you know when the more you I guess try to come up with different ideas that way it's it's obviously a challenge and that's like the fun part of it too it's like what's that next idea like what can I where can I make that sort of connection in like pop culture whatever it is like whatever you know gets it to that idea like how am I going to execute that with like toys and I think that's like the the very very like fun part for me and being able to do that that's amazing. That is amazing, man. <clears throat> I have an interesting question that I've just started recently incorporating into the podcast. Um, do you have a grail shot that maybe you haven't done yet? I know we talked about Peter McKinnon and he got that bucket shot oh, yeah. that he wanted. And uh, do you have a shot in mind that maybe you haven't done yet? Or maybe you have done it that you, this is like the end all be all shots. Is that, do you kind of view toy photography like that do you have a shot that you haven't done yet maybe i mean i don't i don't think i mean like it's weird like this is gonna be a lame answer but it's like i don't i don't think i have like a grail shot like that it's i feel like i don't know what that next idea is and i don't have i don't currently have like an image in my mind of something that i would like to execute or whatever so currently i feel like i don't have like a grail shot like, do you have a grill shot that you want to do? Uh, I've got a lot, actually. I've got a lot. It's kind of hard to narrow it down. Um, I I guess when it, it wouldn't be considered a grail shot if it was many, but there is there is definitely some shots in my mind that I would have to build a diorama set. I would have to like, it would take months to be able okay, to do. I see. Yeah, it's. I'm talking like. When I, I talked to Tom, uh, mm-hmm. I have a Watu recently, yeah. and uh, he has a grail shot that. You'll, you'll be able to hear on his episode mm-hmm. and um dude it's massive i mean it's just an incredible scale like i mean just hot toys figures galore just like wow. it's it's a grail shot that he's like i've been thinking about this for a long time so i was just curious maybe if you have gotcha one. 
I guess yeah. I never thought about it, you know? It, I mean, maybe I'll think about it and get back to you on that. Okay. Because that, that would be fun to think about. I, I think, like, in I, I wouldn't even say this is, like, because the grail is always moving. You know what I mean? Like, that mm-hmm. shot that you're always wanting to get, like, you know, for, you know, sports athletes, you know, winning the, the Super Bowl is, like, the grail. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then you, you win the Super Bowl, it's like, okay, what next? So... Right. That shot probably would lead to another grail shot. So I, I don't think it'd be probably the end all be all. But um I think one of mine actually I have done recently on my personal account, which I was a grail shot for me, didn't even pass two hundred likes, but I just I to me it's my one of my favorite shots is the one with Han Solo in the smuggler's treat and he's just mm-hmm. propped up, just chilling, just looking like a boss. And uh, to me, I am so proud of that shot. And I've wanted, I know that I created every aspect of that shot. Um, and I got, you know, blessed to be able to send me, Loon Cube sent me a light. And that's something that I was able to use in that shot. And it's just, man, I just love that shot. Like, I just, I go back to it all the time and say, I pinch myself. I'm like, wow, I'm so happy with it. And I know a lot of people have done that shot with the Smuggler's Retreat. But for me, I always wanted my own stamp on it and so that to me is like one of the grail shots that i've always wanted to do is that the is that the one with the sh figure on solo it is you're talking about with this it is on the yes sir it is and i i've done multiple versions of that shot you know i've done i'm trying to get to that one and that is the to me personally that is the end all be all han solo Mm -hmm. smuggler's retreat shot for myself and uh i'm i'm end up going to blow up that shot and put it on my wall uh hopefully soon so that's so awesome that um you know you you have this project in mind and you set out to go and do it and create like literally create you know the smuggler's retreat for yourself and not only for yourself but like for anybody else right and i think that's just so awesome that you have this idea and instead of needing to go necessarily like buy it but like create it for yourself like that's mad props to you dude Thank you, man. Yeah, it, I can't take all the credit. I got to throw, you know, figure works out there. Oh, yeah. Edson, dude, I mean, he designed the thing from, you know, the bottom up. He helped me with the process. You know, I just kind of put the money where the mouth is kind of thing and made the thing. And uh, it's a collaborative process. And then Jason Yang, you know, I say Young. I, I pronounced it wrong. Let me say <laughs> it right. Jason Young, um, mm-hmm. he helped me a lot in the way too and gave me some great tips you know it's a collaborative process and that thing man i'm i pinch myself all the time knowing that people use that thing all the time and it's it's something they love and enjoy and it's very surreal you know it's like you know i can't take credit for it george lucas made you know that entire Mm -hmm. thing but it's fun it really is and uh i hope that I hope that everybody can have that feeling one day being able to say, wow, like I did this, people can enjoy it. And I think that's as a toy photographer, that happens all the time. You know, maybe we don't see it that way, but I think we all can kind of glean Mm -hmm. uh, inspiration from your account for sure. Do you have any pinch me moments in your career as a toy photographer? Like, do you say, wow, did that actually happen? I can't believe that happened. I feel like there's, definitely been moments like that where when you get like 100 followers you're just like holy crap i have 100 followers you know (laughs) it's like i think depending on the the at what point i can definitely say there have been moments you know uh i want to say like the one of the very first ones was like i think it was hot toy or not hot toys hot wheels 
they like reposted one of my photos and I was just like, oh my gosh, my photo got reposted by Hot Wheels, like, you know, wow. on their official page. And I think there's been moments where I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. It's just like, obviously the amount of like people who, who follow my work. I think there was a moment when, yeah, Pixar reposted one of my photos too. And what? that was, that was, yeah, that to me still is like, holy crap, like for Pixar to, you know, this, this company that I admire so much um, for the storytelling that they do and all that stuff to even like see anything that I've done to be able to share that with their audience and stuff was pretty mind blowing. Um, I didn't even know that they did that. That's incredible. Yeah, wow. it, was, it was, it was a while ago. I want to say that was like around when I had like, like 1700 followers or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah and it's so cool yeah it's it's interesting and what else there's like there's there's quite a few you know it's like every step of the way that i feel like there's always something that i'm just like holy crap like how is this happening kind of thing you know um isn't it weird that instagram connects people that way like just you could be just a random dude south america living in a hut Right. And, you know, you got Instagram and you can connect with people in the, you know, across the world. It's amazing. It's just so cool. Yeah. No, 100%, man. And, you know, I think it's amazing when like people can find your work and like, I mean, you know, they start supporting you or it's, it's also to, for me, I feel like a lot of like, like my journey, I guess, if you want to say it that way, it's, uh, it's been me sort of like pushing myself to get these opportunities as well. You know, it's like, you can't just be sitting here hoping that someone's going to reach out to you or whatever. And like, you can't be like, Oh, why am I not like, you know, getting these opportunities like other people? It's like, you know, you can't really feel sorry for yourself. You kind of just need to continue to do the work and hopefully, hopefully you're, you know, prepared to sort of like take on those opportunities as they like present themselves. And for me, it's, I don't know. I, I think, one of the ones that was really crazy was uh, when I got my work on to starwars.com in like, it was like an article that was written by um, Amy Ratcliffe. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it, th for that opportunity, again, it wasn't like, it wasn't anybody reaching out to me. It was like me sort of like talking to them and then that sort of like spurring into like an article. Right. And so I think, a lot of times you just need to like put yourself out there and just make sure that you believe in the work that you're doing and for other people to see it. Cause you know, not everyone's going to see the stuff that you're putting out. Right. That's true. Like it's just like a chance that somebody might see it. So if you're more active in like pushing your work out there, I think that's going to give you those opportunities as well. So that's amazing, man. I, I take such a big inspiration from the fact that you're able to go and have the balls to be able to go up and, support yourself and, and believe in yourself enough to be able to do that because it takes a lot of guts and uh you know i struggle with that i'll be honest you know sometimes i'm i'm everybody's their own worst critic and you say maybe my stuff isn't good enough even though i can look back and i've got big moments too and i'm like wow did that really happen and you know everybody mm -hmm. even the the people that have the biggest followings they doubt themselves like you know they go through moments of insecurity and it's being able to conquer those thoughts and being able to like rein them in and say okay now i know i'm good enough i know i can do this and then just pressing through i mean i love that you're able to do that yeah man it's all it's i mean it's all a process right it's like 
if you're working hard into creating these photos and stuff and I don't know, for whatever reason, if you're just like, man, my stuff like is not getting recognized and all that stuff, like sure you can again like sulk and all that and just be like, Well, why why isn't anybody seeing like my work? Blah 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 blah. You know? It's like right. I feel like like I wanna encourage those people to like really, I guess, reflect sort of and just I guess it's more like reflecting on why you're doing it and like if you're not having fun just creating i think that's sort of like a red flag too in some ways you know yeah exactly Um, but yeah i think just continuing to push yourself and trying to like make like good work and all that i think it's just all like a process like it's a journey that it's gonna take time obviously and stuff like that so it's I think persistence and being consistent and literally like absorbing like a sponge and talking to people and just trying to improve your craft. I think that's going to show fruit eventually. Definitely. Definitely. And you just hit the nail on the coffin there. Cause I was actually going to ask you that exact question and you went ahead and answered it. So that's amazing. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this. I'm very curious on your methodology and the way you view yourself on your lifestyle like you know do you have like a regimen of like exercise i know you're being a sports like do you do you keep up with mental fitness like what do you do to kind of keep yourself having an edge and being able to use that in your career and also your toy photography well for like physical exercise or physical health i would (laughs) it's funny like i used to play basketball pretty often but i haven't really done anything like recently to, you know, stay in good like physical shape or anything like that. But when it comes to, you know, how toy photography relates to like mental health and all that stuff, like, you know, everybody has different stresses in their life. And I think it's always great to have some kind of outlet. Um, And toy photography is one of mine. But definitely having something like that where you can sort of escape a little bit or, you know, just embrace something that you really, really enjoy. And when, when you're doing it like you know time just flies by and it's it's just something you really really just envelop yourself in and I want to say that toy photography is definitely that for me because not only is it like something that I I can do but it's something that I'm thinking about as well and it's like something that excites me even when I think about it but yeah I I don't know I wish I could say like, yeah, I play basketball every day. I'm in really good shape. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I went through a, I went through a phase about a year ago when I was absolutely had no interest in doing any physical activity. And I think everybody goes to an ebb and flow and finding their things that make them function better as a human being. So mm-hmm. there's, you got to find your, like you said, your mental health. I think toy photography is kind of your mental health in the way that you help yourself as a human being. And mm-hmm. it, it's an amazing avenue. You know, it can encourage you and it can inspire you. It can also make you laugh, cry, you know, the whole nine yards. For sure, yeah. And uh, that's awesome, man. So do you, I, I want to I wanna ask you this. Do you have any favorite food? Are you a foodie? Do you have any, like, favorite cuisine that you like? Um, I I love, like, cheeseburgers, man. Like, it's it's, nice. like, a very simple food, but it's, like, yeah, for me, um, it's funny. Like my my parents, uh, they actually run a restaurant, and it's it's more like a diner style, but they do have like burgers, they have like hot dogs, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just I don't know what it is. Like I mean, I love like 
just the simplicity of it, I think. It's like when I don't like the super complicated burgers, and it's funny, I, I like had this conversation with uh, Isaiah um, Black Series. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's funny, like how I always ask him, like, hey, what's your favorite, whatever it is? And then he's just like, dude, like, I don't have favorite anythings because it's like it's always different depending on whatever, whatever. And like, I mean, I, I agree, you know, but then it's also like, OK, what what is your favorite thing right now? <laughs> you know, so I'll sort of like spin it that way. But nice. yeah, I don't do I have a favorite burger right now? I don't know if I do, but I do like Shake Shack Burger over In-N-Out. Do you like really? In-N-Out? Have you had In-N-Out? I love In-N-Out. In-N-Out is good. It. It's good for sure. Like I'm not I'm not hating on it. And it's like super cheap. Yep. and all that stuff but i don't know i don't know what it is i haven't tried uh the shake shack i know i've got one here in lexington uh, we actually it's sad man that you mentioned in and out we don't have the, the wonderful in and out burger over here in this part of the world uh, i want to say that the closest in and out is like in texas i think so okay. yeah it's it's really sad honestly because i love in and out um, i think yeah i mean I'm I'm from the East Coast, so I never had In and Out until like I think it was like 2015. It was one the first time I had it, and I just remember hearing like so much like talk about it and like oh, you know, yeah. how good it was and stuff. And um, it's the I king think, of fast food, man. It's the king. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's it's really good. It's super cheap, like I said. And um, I don't know. I think it was just like overhyped for me. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Like, I could see that. And you know what's funny? Like whenever anything gets overhyped, you have this incredibly high expectation. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to live up to unless you're eating like a Gordon Ramsay burger or something <laughs> like that. Right. But um, at the same time, it's like how good can a burger get? And that's why I, I try to compare hey. burgers with like not trying to like overcomplicate it with the toppings and stuff like that. I try to just, you know, go pretty simple yeah. um, with it. And I mean, it, like I said, it's it's good. For sure. Do you make your own burgers? I don't, but I want to start doing it. Dude, do it. I yes. okay. I got a new method. I I'm, I actually make my own burgers. I do it probably once a week, and I got this from Gordon Ramsay. I'm a big Gordon Ramsay fan. I, he's like my Kobe Bryant to you. So like I'm always <laughs> following Gordon Ramsay. I'm a huge Gordon Ramsay fan. He's so and funny. He yeah, he's so funny, dude. He um makes this burger. It's kind of like the uh, the non traditional way. It, you know, make the patty, you know, use it a certain type of uh, a grind. Of course, you got to get the right ratio of fat mm -hmm. to, you know, protein. And then mm -hmm. what I do is I will put the ingredients in, in the beef. So I'll put like either I'll put like garlic or I'll put salt and I'll just mash it in there and I'll make the burger by hand. I used to actually work at a meat department, so I'm very fluent in knowing how to do these things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I will flatten the patty out. I'll kind of make like almost like a German style burger. So like, you know how in Germany, when they, they flatten out the patties, almost mm -hmm. make like a schnitzel. It's and so a smash burger. A smash burger. Yep. yep. And very much like a smash burger. And then I will throw it on the, on the cast iron skillet and I will throw it on, on medium heat for 35 seconds on each side. Mm -hmm. And then I'll toss it in the oven at 400 degrees for about five minutes. And then it Dang. comes out this beautiful, pink, delicious burger. And if you want to throw cheese on it, you want to throw anything else on it, you can. But I just eat it just... Basically, just a little bit of mayo, uh, slice of tomato, um, lettuce, and then boom, you're ready to go. And I, I like to do, I like to switch it up with my my bread. So sometimes I'll do just a simple uh, whole wheat uh, bun, 
or maybe I'll do like a brioche bun and I'll toast the, uh, I'll usually use the, the cast iron to, to toast the, the bun. That sounds amazing. Oh, and I want a burger now. Dude, come on Thank over. You. I'll, I'll make you a burger. <laughs> it's so good. So good. If I were to say out of all my favorite shots of yours, man, kind of transitioning back to toy photography. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk one. about burgers. No, you want to talk about burgers? We can. We <laughs> totally no, can. No. I don't we could make this a burger podcast if you wanted to, man. I would it's I can geek out a burger on, podcast now. Dude, this is the sponsored by Kobe Beef. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Nice. Have you seen those burgers, man? Have you seen how expensive mm. they are? Those Kobe beef burgers? Um I have I I mean I don't no, I, I don't think I've seen like any Kobe beef burgers actually, but I, I know that the Kobe beef is like super expensive. One of those Kobe beef burgers, I want to say is like upwards of a thousand dollars per burger. I don't even know why they're so expensive, but they don't even look that appetizing. I don't know what's the do. way that they take care of the cows and how yeah. they feed them. And it's, I don't know. It, I'm it sure it's good. I just know, I don't know if it's a thousand dollar gift definitely not that good you know what i mean like if you're on a budget and you're saying like you know what's the best burger on a budget i definitely wouldn't recommend the kobe beef burger nope it's crazy have you seen those youtube videos where they go and they like break down all like the most expensive burgers and stuff i know that there was a show on buzzfeed where it was like was it called like worth it or something and they did different categories of whatever they were eating and it was from like the least expensive to the most expensive is that what you're talking about, or maybe I I just kind of scroll through YouTube and sometimes I'll see whatever is the most eye-catching video and but I like to watch the ones that are like breaking down the Gordon Ramsay burgers versus like the uh, you know, the McDonald's burgers and just kind of right. like cross you know using real in-depth cross sections and saying mm-hmm. you know this amount of ingredients versus this amount it's stupid it's fun. I need to I need to look into that because I feel like I you know for me to critique any burger I feel like I need to at least make it myself you know, <laughs> dude I, I'm I'm so glad that you're a burger fan because I'm a huge burger fan too like so good I don't know what I'd do if I didn't go a week without a burger honestly I don't think my life would feel <laughs> as meaningful yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> yep it, it really, it's a it's a beautiful thing cheeseburgers one of my most favorite shots recently that you have done is of the Doctor Strange one when he is like inside this little um, fortune teller box. He's like, (laughs) you know, doing this little thing where he's telling the future. I Mm. love that concept so much, man. That was such a cool shot. And thank you. You know, the thought process behind it, man, I'm curious, like what, what got you into that, that shot? What made you think of it? Um, you know, sometimes like I'll just walk around like whether it's Target or Barnes and Noble, whatever it is, there's always the sections that you walk through and you, you try to find, I guess, like the next shot idea that you want to do, or like, that's, that's the same for me when I'm walking through Target and I'm like walking past the board game section or something and, you know, something will spark an idea or whatever. And that, that's pretty much how this one sort of came to be too was I was walking around in Barnes and Noble and I, I noticed this like, you know, fortune teller, Zoltan, whatever thing there. And I was like, that seems pretty interesting. Like, how could I, what can I do with this? And I think the first thing that came to mind was like Dr. Strange. Right. And, nice. um, it was, it was just him being able to like 
you know, looking to the future and that sort of concept. And so I felt like it fit pretty well. And I think the challenge there was to essentially take out what was existing in the actual booth and feel like take that out and then make sure that the Doctor Strange could fit in there without like breaking the whole thing. And so I'm glad it like actually worked out where he would, you know, just sit right in there. And I think the rest is just filling out the set and adding these other Avengers in there and stuff. And really being able to like sort of sell that shot a little bit more by adding, you know, a background and all that. And, you know, there's little details in there, like having Spider on top, Spider-Man on, on the top of it. And, you know, Drax eating like some chips and stuff like Dude, that. Dude, that That's pose you fun. have on Drax, man, is <laughs> perfect. It's like I'm looking at Drax. I was literally about to say his posing is amazing. Like because it reminds me of that one scene in Infinity right. War when he's like trying to be silent. <laughs> exactly yeah it's so good and it's sort of yeah it's it's trying to find sort of like those details and a lot of times those details don't show themselves until i'm actually working on like the actual like setting up the scene and stuff so right uh like the drax like that marvel legends figure drax's mouth is like open he has like more of a screaming face and i didn't want that face to be there so i had to like figure out a way to to sort of hide it and that's why i put his hand up there as if he like he's eating like the chips or whatever it's genius and yeah it's like little stuff like that that i try to pay attention to when i'm creating a shot but a lot of times it's you know there's some things that'll sort of escape me and i i you know i'll notice it after i post it but yeah dude another one that i absolutely adore that you've done recently and i constantly think about this shot is the king kong mezco uh shot you did with all of those little blocks oh yeah mm -hmm. dude i love that shot i love that shot that shot is so <laughs> freaking you, cool man i remember when you posted it and i was just like that is so freaking out of the box and so cool and i know it's not like your most number one like shot but it's like to me that was like kind of made me realize your thought process on toy photography and just the marrying of like this is toys versus this is photography at the same time mm -hmm. i just love it dude i really do i could go i could talk about it all day long i love that shot yeah it's it's interesting it's like now that i'm looking back at it and um i'm looking at it right now on my, on my screen and it's like i remember the idea like you know again i think it was during that time i was doing like i think it was the godzilla shot Mm -hmm. I, I want to say that was that before i think yeah so it, the godzilla shot was with the battleship game and it was you know i was trying to find like okay once i was in like the board game section are there other games that i could sort of use in some of my shots and i think that's where like the whole jenga thing came about and when i was first thinking of this shot it was like i only had that jenga built and then like king kong on top of it and that's sort of what sold me on like purchasing the jenga and like trying to create a shot and it wasn't until you know i was actually setting it up and stuff i wanted to fill it out and i think i did have like these other woodblock things as you see in the photo yeah and you know i was like oh i can use this for like to sort of make it look like other buildings and things like that i had purchased those not specifically for the shot but again, it was like, how can I fill out this shot or like use something that I already have to sort of like build it out? And that's sort of like how all these little details sort of come together in the shot. Dude, it, it's amazing. I'm watching the behind the scenes right now. And like even like the way you laid out the, you know, the bricks and it made it look like a little city. 
and just the thought process, man, it was just, uh, I love it. I don't know why I love that shot so much. I just do. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's just really fun to sort of not have the whole idea complete and just kind of like run with it. And like a lot of the, the fun is trying to figure out like, okay, like during the shot, as you're setting up, I feel like when you start to get these ideas there, it's like, Oh, that would be really cool if you could do this or like, you know, have like right. these little tanks in there. I need to go get little tanks or like, I think in this shot, I wanted to also have helicopters, but I couldn't find anything. Oh, that would have been in, off the chain, the dude. Scale. Like, it reminds me of like a Pixar kind of, you know, Toy Story vibe. And I think mm -hmm. that's why I loved it so much. And I was like, this feels like Toy Story. It feels like something you'd be watching on a movie. I love Toy Story. So oh, good. So good. I haven't seen the new one. Have you seen the new one? I have, yeah. It's Is good. It good. Yeah. Is it? It, I think it comes out on digital or blu-ray in three days oh wow so, that's very timely actually huh. i recommend wow. it and then i've got to i've got to mention this because i am a massive cowboy bebop fan when you did that shot with spike in uh, mm -hmm. the neca set and he's just walking through this back alley and he's got a cigarette lit and you went all in on that shot. Did you like, I think you like burned his hand or something, didn't you? I did burn his hand. Yeah. Oh. That was unfortunate. Man. <laughs> I it think, was worth it though. Yeah, it was. Um, it's, it's funny. Like when you start to use like different techniques, you're obviously learning on the go too, you know, until like right. you're obviously used to it and, I think with this, it was a it was a product given to me by um, who is it? Scar Picks, and I think I forgot what their account name is. Like Caravan, um, I don't know. I can't think of it right now. That's all right. But um, Impressive Plastic might be the other guy who runs it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, I I want to say it's SCR Picks. Is it Corellian Cor Cor Caravan? I think is like their. That sounds uh, right. Yeah, so they're making these little miniature accessories and things like that. And they reached out and asked if I wanted some um, of these, like, cigarettes. And I was like, sure, I'll definitely love to try it just because it seems really interesting trying to light, a, like, a one twelfth scale um, cigarette. Right. And, yeah, so, like, doing that, I knew that it was going to be a learning curve to try to figure out, okay, how can I get this wisp of smoke to look like real and stuff like that and it was pretty tricky i would say because it doesn't like really um it doesn't burn the way that you would think and it actually goes by very very fast and that's the reason why i burnt his finger off ah. so i i noticed that the trick with the trick to to get it to just start smoking is to blow it out before you know it gets too far gotcha and then once it's blown out it's sort of like you know has that smoke effect so that's a practical smoke effect right there that you had going yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's amazing. And I noticed that you got like just incredible amount of detail with like the cats and like there's one cat, like, is it eating something? I can't even tell what it's doing. Yeah. So I found these little cats. Um, I don't know where it was. Was it, it might've been at Barnes and Noble again. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll go to these stores just to see what I can find. And uh, Barnes and Noble has like this um, section where they have like a lot of things from Japan. And I think yeah. these were like some blind boxes from there. And there was like a cat playing some drums on like some tuna cans or something. <laughs> and then there's another cat who has a microphone. I don't know if it's an actual microphone or if it's 
some other thing that is acting as one. Right. Um, but yeah, he's like standing on a box and like like singing. But I felt like it was because, you know, Spike is part of the anime world, like these little cats who are, you know, playing instruments or whatever sort of tie in or can uh, tie in to, to like that whole vibe. Perfectly. Yeah, it perfectly ties in. Dude, that are you a fan of that show? Because I feel like you are. Um, I watched it like a long time ago. So like for me it's I can't remember a whole lot of it to be honest oh, with you. Man. But I've heard so many great things about it and I do need to go back and watch it. Since you have that figure, and it's funny because I'm such a big fan, I don't even own that figure yet. I I don't even know why I haven't picked up that mm-hmm. figure, but you need to go back and watch that show, man. It is I know it's been hailed as the top anime of all time, but it's rightfully so. It is amazing. If anybody who's out there wants a good anime, mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop, like hands yeah, down. I've I've heard some really really good stuff about it, and like I guess to me it's just like the character design was just cool. Yeah, and like um, I think the likeness they nailed it pretty well compared to uh, you know in the anime. In the anime. I feel like some of those features are more elongated, I guess, and they might not have nailed it exactly, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, pretty close enough. And I was like, man, this is a really cool figure. And I guess, you know, I just wanted to pick it up and I, I'll do that, you know, from time to time. It's like, I don't necessarily need to be a fan of this property. Sure. And that's, that's sort of like my toy photographer mind coming into play, which, you know, has sort of become a problem lately, but <laughs> <laughs> like as a as a toy collector i would probably not have picked this up just because that know, makes sense yeah and as a toy collector i i still do like to collect figures where it's like i won't necessarily like shoot them but i do like to pick stuff up just because i like the property or the character or whatever and and like that i guess like my hot toys collection is sort of that because i do have a few hot toys but i don't really shoot them but yeah yeah mm-hmm that's so cool, man. I'm I'm the same way, and I get like I recently pre-ordered a couple figures that I don't even know what they're about, but I know that they're cool designs, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, that that is the toy photographer in in us that kind of like thinks out of the box, and just because you don't know that the you know the IP doesn't mean that you can't create something with it. And so that's really right. cool. That's really really cool. I'm sure there's people who look down on that or whatever but to me it's like if i if i have an idea and i feel like i need like this figure to sort of make that idea come alive i'll probably go ahead and try to get it somehow yeah like you were saying i think it's you know if you like the design of something if like for instance there's a really cool looking mech out there that you really like you may not know where it's from but it's just the design of it in general i think that's reason enough for you to be able to pick it up exactly exactly being creative people you know you don't have to know everything there is to know about a franchise to do a toy photography shot like i think that there's this stigma maybe uh about like for instance people that do star wars toy photography like not Mm -hmm. everybody knows everything there is to know about star wars i feel like i know a good bit i don't know everything there is to know you know because some people you'll message me like oh yeah you know do you know how many blaster shots was in this one scene i'm like no dude i don't care (laughs) like i really don't care like yeah that's not not gonna help me in any yeah, it's not going to help me in any way, you know, and I pride myself on knowing a, quite a good bit, you know, but it's at the end of the day, the things that you can gain from those those shows and, you know, the fact that you're able to make a, a, a shot from your your memory. You said you watched right. it when you were a kid and you're like, dude, it, to me, I felt like it was straight out of the anime. 
Like I, I looked at it. I actually used it as my wallpaper for a long oh, time. Oh, for real? Oh, for real. Man. I had it as my wallpaper, and I just looked at it all the time. I love that shot. And uh, I'm just, dude, I'm a fan of toy photographers and toy photography in general. Like, I just, I geek out on this stuff, and I consume it all the time. So, like, you know, you guys are, you guys are like my, uh, my bread and butter. I'm always into it. Um, I'm looking at another shot right now uh, that I, I'm really interested, like, in how you did this lighting because I've always wanted to ask you this because in person, you know, when you're seeing it, it looks, I, I, I'm just amazed. Like, when you did this Goku shot with Majin Buu and he's, like, going up for, like, maybe, like, a jump shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you light that? Did you use, like, a, a ceiling light? How, how did you get the, the specific lighting for that shot? Yeah, that that shot, I don't usually light my shots that way. And I feel like it shows a little bit because um, where I shot this was um, I moved to a new apartment and there's sort of like this little area that I use as like a studio space. Mm -hmm. And in that space, there are like these three lights that are on the ceiling and they're sort of like pointed in different directions a little bit, but they do, you know, have more ambient light. And like I, I literally like just left those lights on for this shot. So that I could, I I think it was interesting. Like I had, you know, if you look in the behind the scenes, I have the rulers up top, you know, having the wire holding the figures up and in the shot, you don't see like the, the rulers there, right? Yeah. You don't, don't, yeah. You don't see the shadow at all. Yeah. And it's, that was like, I had to take another photo of just like the blank or move, removing the, the ruler and then just you know, compositing it later in Photoshop. Nice. But uh, I think one one part of this photo that, you know, I didn't, like, if I could have, I would have liked to not have, like, the double shadows underneath them. And that was, again, because of, like, the the three lamps or two lamps or whatever that are that were on above the ceiling. Um, it but makes yeah. it feel dynamic, though. I think that, I think the shadows there work, honestly. Yeah. Personally, I think they work. It does, yeah. I mean, it it, it kind of does show like a movement, if you want to look at it that way too. Yeah, but, because when you're in a basketball arena, like there's so many lights and they're coming from every angle. Right. And I don't know. I felt like you did that shot like perfect. So I, I really don't. I don't think that you could have done it better, honestly. That's true. But, I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just me. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too, because like if I can look at it a certain way, but then somebody else can look at it another way and be like, yep. oh, so. Yep. Exactly. And I, I used to watch basketball, you know, as a kid, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Michael Jordan fan. So like mm-hmm. I, I used to love his stuff and uh, just, and also I'm a big Dragon Ball Z fan. So like, you know, you and your basketball stuff, whenever you, of course you and Jackson, whenever he does his basketball stuff, it just kind of brings me back to this long time ago, back when I was a little kid and I just eating up the Michael Jordan stuff. Yeah. Don't tell Jax that you like Michael Jordan though. Uh oh. <laughs> Why not? I'm just kidding. I think I think Jax has a thing against Michael Jordan, but I'll what let him talk about is, that. What's the beef? He's a Laker know. fan. He's a Laker oh, fan. Oh, okay. You know? So that's that's where that I'll is. But yes. Him. I'll tease him about that when he comes on the podcast. <laughs> I, I agree one hundred percent. Like his his basketball stuff is like so good, you know, and it's anytime you see a basketball shot, I feel like it, it just reminds me of the plastic baller series that he's doing. And if yep. anybody doesn't know his Plastic Baller series, you should definitely check it out on Instagram, hashtag Plastic Ballers with a Z. Mm-hmm. But his stuff is fire. 
for it sure. It is so fire. And like, I can't wait to pick his brain. You know, I messaged him. He actually messaged me, uh, I want about to say a week ago and, you know, we started a conversation and I can't wait to get into his mind about that kind of stuff. Cause he's, mm-hmm. he's a master at that kind of basketball shots. Oh yeah. So, so cool. Sure. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And, uh, I kind of want to open the mic up to you now, you know, if you want to say anything to maybe your fans or to people out there that follow you, your friends, uh, just mics open, man, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for, you know, inviting me onto this podcast. I don't do a lot of podcasts. I don't I'm trying to think like when was the last time I did one? I feel like I only did one other one, right? And um it's always great to just, you know, talk to a fellow toy photographer and, you know, just chop it up about what we love to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate everybody that's, you know, supported me and whoever's, you know, listening that does follow me and has ever like liked one of my photos left a comment reached out to me um you know i really appreciate that stuff so um yeah let's just continue to chat and see where else we go and i'm really looking forward to that richie man likewise sir it's been an honor i'm so honored that you came on the podcast and i cannot honors wait man i cannot wait to see what everybody thinks about this episode because i know they're gonna love it and maybe they'll go out and buy a cheeseburger after it's done. I hope they buy a cheeseburger <laughs> in the process of them listening to it. And we should put a disclaimer. We really should put a disclaimer at the beginning. Just say, warning, this episode may cause you to purchase a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you should totally do that. I think I might. I think I might. I'm just going to do it. It'll throw everybody off. So you can find me at Dagobah underscore days. You can find the Mezco 112 Collective feature page at 1.12.collective and you can find the toy photographers podcast at toy photo cast and remember everybody we are storytellers so get out there go shoot some toys have some fun and eat a cheeseburger okay peace out peace Um, it's awesome. Wait, what what part of the U.S. are you from? <clears throat> well, that's a loaded question. I currently <laughs> live in Lexington, <clears throat> Kentucky. I okay. have lived all over the country. So I have lived pretty much, you know, West Coast, East Coast, everywhere. So I was, I was born in Nashville, and then mm-hmm. I moved all the way around. You know, I'm kind of like a circle almost. I moved to Kentucky, and my brother was born, moved to Michigan, and then we moved to California. Another brother was born. Then we moved to Alabama. And I had like two more brothers that were born. And long story short, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So we lived in Alabama for the, like the majority of our like teenage years. And then I uh, got into a relationship with my current, my, I say current, stupid to say, my wife. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I got into a relationship with her and we were dating. And then we moved to like another part of Alabama. And then, mm-hmm. We uh, got married and moved to Tennessee, so we lived in Nashville again. So I went back to my birthplace, um, lived there a couple years, and then moved back to Kentucky. It's weird. I'm like doing this weird circular thing where I'm like <laughs> reliving my childhood. It's really weird, but um, it's different cities though. So um, gotcha. <clears throat> yeah, so I've lived all over, and I have a you know a really 
blessed life, man. I, I've, I've been through so many life experiences and seen so many things and done so many things that most people don't get to do. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what makes, I have, uh, I have a lot of wealth of knowledge of so many different things. And I don't even, I don't even want to take away from anybody. I just want to give, you know what I'm saying? Cause mm-hmm. I've got so much man that I can, and it's funny because you say you're a basketball fan. I was a huge basketball fan from the age of like six to nine years old. I was a Michael Jordan aficionado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All I did was just watch Michael Jordan tapes. It's back in the 90s. So that was like mm-hmm. 1996 when I was a Michael Jordan fan. Six years old. Mm-hmm. I got the Michael Jordan, you know, jersey. I got, uh, you know, I had a, I had a, you know, birthday where they had Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson. I liked him too. But Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. uh, pancakes you know what i'm saying the whole nine yards uh, michael jordan pancakes oh dude what does everything. that mean does that mean my mom his my face mom. is on there <laughs> <laughs> my mom made a, a basketball you know with with maple syrup and and made it look like a, a basketball and oh, basically okay. the michael jordan pancake gotcha. yep i was thinking and, uh, michael jordan's face is on your pancakes oh, <laughs> that'd be cool yeah she's not that talented but she definitely uh she definitely tried. Have sure. you seen those like people on Instagram where they make those crazy pancakes? Like they'll do a drawing what? and then they'll fill out the pancake and they'll flip it over and it's like a completed image. Have you seen that before? No, I have not well, seen that. You got to look that up at some point. It is pretty crazy. And that's what I was picturing when you when you were saying Michael Jordan pancakes. Dude, there's like a, it's so crazy. There's like a community for every weird thing out there. <laughs> yep. Everything you can imagine, there's a community for. I feel like the weirder the stuff is, like the more viral it gets. Yeah. You know what's really, really weird or really cool? It. Yeah. Exactly. The ones that freak me out the most are the ones with the facial hair stuff. Like the, the people that go out there and they like cultivate these beards and they grow them for years and then they like uh, put them in competitions and then they judge them and they win win awards and money for their beard. Like what in the world's going on in this is world? Is it is it how ridiculous your beard can get or is it more like how well groomed your beard is? I'm sure there's they different have categories. categories. That's the crazy thing. There's different categories. So like there's people that have like beard that have boats built into them and there's people that have like yeah like i mean like miniature like you know like a toy photography like a boat like a 112 scale boat built into it and they have like you know uh they'll have people that have beards that are the longest beard competition where they'll grow a beard that's literally like a (laughs) hundred foot long and then they'll just braid it around their body and then like oh my gosh dude it's just nuts i mean this world is crazy i wish i could grow a beard like that well, not like that, but I wish I could beard, grow a beard. Dude, it is. It's funny because I always wanted to grow one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really couldn't start growing one until I was twenty, and then once I was able to, I was like, man, I really wish I didn't grow a beard because it's a lot of <laughs> upkeep. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of upkeep, and uh, also, you know, my wife she doesn't like a long beard, so like she likes me not clean shaven, but just trimmed up. You know, looking sharp. Right. But uh. Anyways, I digress, my sir. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get right back into it. And uh, right. I may add a little a couple snippets in there for fun because uh, uh, I actually started recording about seven minutes ago. So Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> right on. We may add that into some bonus filler content at the okay. end. Um, so uh, 